This is Walking with Warriors, a nonprofit organization founded by a husband and wife team with a multi-generational family of warriors who have proudly served our nation. This podcast is for all of our military, first responders, their families, and the patriots that support them. Thank you for joining us as we connect, encourage, and strengthen our warriors as iron sharpens iron. We are your hosts, Michael and Bren. Now let's get started. Today we're joined by a special guest who has lived a remarkable journey of high-risk public service that includes more than six years deployed overseas in combat. Jeff Teagues. Jeff, thanks for joining Walking with Warriors today. Mike, it is my honor to be your guinea pig on this journey. Thanks, brother. You ready to get started? Sounds good, buddy. Jeff, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, Mike, I grew up in Wisconsin and joined the Army in 1987, fresh out of high school, and saved some breaks for uh, college and grad school. I stayed in until I retired in November of 2015. So I, I wound my way through the military in a bunch of different special operations units. I married my high school sweetheart back when we were 19 years old. We're on uh, 31 years of marriage now, and we have two boys. So we retired out here in the Pacific Northwest to finish raising our sons in, uh, in the mountains and in the, the lifestyle that we really wanted to pursue, balancing that with uh, our commitment to the nonprofit that I'm the CEO of with Guardian Group, where we do counter sex trafficking here in the United States. And I have been on a faith journey as long as I can remember and have been on an incredible journey ever since. Jeff, what sticks out in your mind the most from your time in the military? You know, I, I think I think you'd find it the same. It's the men and women that we worked with, their courage, their perseverance, their dedication. You and I shared a lot highs and lows and seeing other people pick themselves up when the chips are down was really was really something especially in combat can you share with us about some of those highs and lows you know the style of the warfare that uh, you or i are involved in was was very close and personal you know i i got to know some of these enemies personally before we had to take them off the earth and what we tip the scales with them was just our our training and the level that we achieved is almost unimaginable one simple example that i think of is doing a vehicle interdiction which you're coming in on a armada of helicopters and you're attacking a vehicle or a couple of vehicles and it's kind of a synchronized symphony of uh, of destruction you know you know what it is the listeners may uh may have seen a few things on TV, but I remember coming in on a, on a high value target and they got out of the vehicle and they started running and there were actually children inside the vehicle that we had not seen. And the immediate decision was, okay, do we abort this mission? And this guy gets away to kill and murder and maim in the future, or is this something at our level of expertise we can handle? And I, I remember getting on the radio and asking our team lead, I said, are you comfortable shooting around the kids? And he said, yes. And I said, execute, 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 shoot around the kids. Uh, and that was a very difficult decision to make at the time. And everything turned out well. And in fact, some of the children that were involved in this operation were completely innocent bystanders that had been 
roped up and, and rolled into this. Because as you know, you know, sometimes when these terrorists are moving around to blend in better, they will just grab women or children as almost like props to help them get through checkpoints and things like that. So even once we got on the ground and settled everything out and everything calmed down, we had an opportunity to talk to some of the women and kids that were involved. They were very grateful to us. And then we were actually able to hand them off to uh, the regular army units that drove them all the way back to their villages. So it was a, it was a happy ending story. But for me, something that, again, I'll, I'll never forget because it was a call that I knew could go the wrong way. Wow. What prepared you to be able to make those kind of difficult decisions? I think when you're in charge of a, a group of people that are specially selected and trained to do high risk, high threat operations, you as a leader have to be prepared to make those calls for better or for worse. God has created me as a, as a leader. I can't explain why. It's just as long as I've known, even when I was a dorky little kid with Coke bottle glasses and the part down the middle of my hair, there was just something that was inherent and a responsibility that I felt. So I think I've been trying to live that out even to this day with Guardian Group. Can you tell us about Guardian Group? So we focus almost exclusively on domestic sex trafficking right here in the United States, commercial sex trafficking. The predominant sale of women and children is online. So we are able to from a single location, from a mission support site in the Pacific Northwest, we're able to assist law enforcement all across the country in identifying victims that are being exploited. So we mostly work online. We scour the escort sites to put a true identity to these girls that are, that are being trafficked, and we push that information to law enforcement. So we're trying to help them reach the threshold of probable cause, reasonable suspicion that allows them to dig into the case. So really what you're familiar with from the military, Mike, is it's just that initial intel assessment. You know, is there something here? Is there something that we should look into? And then we assist them as long as they're interested throughout that case, all the way hopefully to prosecution and recovery, prosecution of the pimp and recovery of the victim. So that's our, our really unique side of Guardian Group, and that's very specific to our experiences. Our lead intel director, Trevor, was my intel guy in in the military, the, the most talented intel person you'll ever meet. Uh, and then we balance that with a, a, a defense because every, every strategy needs an offense and defense. And our defense is more occupied with training and education and these different sectors uh, that are required to disrupt and deter trafficking in the United States. So we balance those two elements, but our true, true character is this support to law enforcement. Jeff, what led you to want to take on human trafficking after completing your military career? And what are some of the challenges that you've faced on this new mission? I definitely felt that direct, direct voice of his saying, I want you to do something about this. And it took me a while to come to terms with it because this is not what Jules and I had planned our retirement to look like, you know, moving from one battlefield to another, you know, even into a a battlefield that the, the depravity of these traffickers and pimps and the abuses is sometimes even more overwhelming than what we experienced overseas. So it took me some time to come to terms with it, but then really recognizing that that is what I'm called to do, it brought a closeness with God and, and a clarity of, of purpose. But uh, the flip side of that is 
the feelings of abandonment too. You know, like I felt like he laid out, this is what I want you to do. And he gave me a vision. And I thought that vision was going to come to fruition in a couple of years. And it still hasn't. You know, I'm still working on it. And I shake my fist some days. And it's funny, Mike, because when you when you read in the Bible, these guys that would shake their fist at God and be like, what are you doing? You know, I always felt like, dude, who who the heck do you think you are? You know, like being angry at God and shaking your fist at God. And then lo and behold, I, I find myself that guy sometimes. And in, only in the last couple of years where I'm shaking my fist at God, like you told me to do this. You told me to take this step. Now, why, why are you leaving me at, at the edge of this cliff? You know, so on one hand, I, I castigate myself by having the, the audacity to shake my fist at God. Um, but, the, but the flip side of that then too is, okay, but when I peel back that layer, that's how close I feel to him. You know I mean, he's built a relationship with me and allowed me to have this relationship with him where I actually feel like I can shake my fist at him and question him and tell him to hurry up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's that, there's this two sides of that coin where I'm t- totally grateful for this walk and this journey and his support. And yet I get embarrassed sometimes on how angry and frustrated I get on those times where I feel like he's abandoned me and abandoned us and abandoned these, these children that we're just, we're just trying to pull out of, out of this crime. Jeff, what are your thoughts on maintaining hope during those kind of difficult times? And what are ways that we can overcome when we make mistakes and fall short of the glory of God? You know, we, we make huge mistakes, but I think that's one of the, the tricks of the enemy is when we make mistakes and we, ha- we find a lack of balance or whatever, we then end up beating ourselves up. You know, I, I think I, I came to terms with this a while, you know, years ago when it finally dawned on me that probably one of the men closest to God ever was King David. To be termed that he was a man after God's own heart, holy cow, what a compliment. And Mike, that dude had an adulterous affair with one of his best friends and top officers and then tried to cover it up by having him murdered in combat. Like, how, how that guy ever picked himself back up and continued to live for God is beyond me. And you know, Mike, one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is Jesus and, and Judas betraying him. So first of all, the ODA, right? The 12-man ODA that Jesus had, <laughs> you know? So in his 12-man ODA, one of those dudes was a traitor, like a complete traitor, so it's a complicated thing to think through, which which is like, okay, I don't know how to balance the the manness of Jesus and then the divine of him. Like, when did he know Judas was a traitor? You know, like from day one when he selected that dude, did he did he know, or was it just simply that night of the Passover feast, that night he was betrayed? Like, what? How how long did Jesus know? You know, and then and then this idea of when we have hardship and betrayal is a tough one. You know, like that's a tough one to come back from. People get bitter with betrayal. It's like, dude, you you're gonna do better than Jesus. He hand selected twelve dudes, and one of them was a traitor. You're gonna do better. You're not gonna suffer betrayal in life. You know, and then of course the simple fact 
it was also a necessary difficulty in his life to live out what would become the salvation for the rest of us. What are some ways to find peace during those necessary difficulties? One of the things that I came upon a while back was this idea of God's name. And God refers to himself as Yahweh. And he tells Moses at the burning bush, when the, uh, when the people ask me who sent me, <laughs> you know, he's, he says, tell them Yahweh sent you. And Yahweh is this idea of, of breath. And we know about Jesus, Yeshua, as the breath of life. Yahweh, we know it isn't really a word. It's just a sound. And when you say it, okay, and you think about it, it is the sound of inhalation and exhalation. So if you, if you say it, you know, we'll do it over the speaker here. It's, can you hear that? Try it. So this idea, right, that the name of God, the name that he calls himself is the sound of breath going in and out of your lungs. And this idea that the first word you ever say as a baby is the name of God. The word you say as your last dying breath is the name of God. Every moment of every day as you breathe, you are continually on your lips the name of our Creator. The trees exist to scrub our breath and return it to us in a healthy manner. Every animal on the planet breathes the name of God. It's absolutely incredible and beautiful to think that what God created every living thing to do is have his name on their lips constantly. Regardless if you recognize it or not, you are saying his name and praising him. But I've, I've thought about that. And Mike, you know what's fascinating is I, I, I heard about that and I've read about it and I prayed about it. And I talked about this in public at a foundation run. And a mother and a father came up to me because I felt kind of weird talking about it. It wasn't really a, uh, a collection of, of believers. It was, it was just everybody and anybody. But I just felt, I don't know, I felt uh, this, this pressure to talk about this. And this mother and father came up to me and they hugged me and in tears and they said you know their son died overseas and they didn't know all of the details and they didn't know if he suffered and they've had a really hard time bringing some closure to it but the, hearing this idea that regardless of the events regardless of the suffering the last thing that was on the lips of their son before he died was was the name of our creator was an incredible comfort to them and provided some closure to them that they had been struggling with for years and dude it brought it brought me to tears to think about that so i don't know bro i didn't i didn't intend to talk about that this morning but i think it's absolutely mind-blowing if you simply focus on the breathing 
the magic in that because we know that we think of people talk about your breathing and focus on your breathing and yoga and all these types of things we know there's a physiology attached to focused breathing well what if it's not just physiology it's spiritual what if the fact that you're just repeating god's name the most simple thing that you can do when you breathe is that thing that brings us comfort and helps us recenter and refocus Things can get complicated, but if you can just sit quietly for a moment and breathe, there's God right there with you in that inhalation and in the exhalation. And like I said, it, Mike, it's like, it's incredible, man. It's incredible to think about and how, how perfectly does it make sense? Every animal, every creature breathes the name of God. Everything in nature is designed to work together. You know, and then it's even these these passages like pray without ceasing, let the, let my name be forever on your lip. These little passages in the Bible that we just were kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a nice idea. No, no, he means it literally. He means it ab absolutely literally is that intentionality and that appreciation with every breath you take that that has been given to you by your creator. And it's an act of relationship with him and the world and nature and every human on this planet and animal on this planet. Pretty far out, huh? That is amazing <laughs> to think about. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. I'm glad that came up because you just get it, bro. You get it. Jeff, you're also big into jujitsu. Is there anything that connects there with your faith that you'd share? Yeah, definitely. So when we talk about jujitsu, we talk about returning to the basics, you know, and returning, going back to a place where you know, you know, so if, if you and I are on the mats and we're rolling and I begin to take you somewhere that you don't quite recognize or you're not quite comfortable, you have got to pause and back up and go to a place where you know you're safe and you know where you're grounded. So I think that that parallel with our faith is when things hit us in our lives it hit us unexpectedly or there's loss or grief or whatever there is and it's not something you're quite prepared for or you recognize you need to pause and you, you need to go back to the basics and what are those basics man those basics are that quiet time you know the quiet time with the lord the time in prayer you open up that book and you just begin to read you know you go for that walk and like we said earlier you appreciate what is around you every hour or just making a routine in your life where you intentionally comment inside your head on three to five things that you appreciate and you're grateful for at that very moment. You know, I'm sitting here in a beautiful place. I'm looking out at, at the beautiful sky and I can see, uh, I, I can see the wind just gently blowing and the animals in, my, in the backyard that my wife feeds. And you know, there's just so much to be thankful for no matter what the circumstances. So going back to that place that you know where you are and it's a place that's comfortable for you, I think is a safe place and that's where God will meet you. Can you share with us, Jeff, a time when perhaps your faith was tested? The times that my faith was tested was, was, was these moments, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Distance between, between Jules and I. You know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure you experienced it because we all, we all did, you know, I spent over six years 
overseas in combat. You know, that was spread out over uh, over a decade. But these times when we would come home and try to reconnect. So there were times towards the end of the career when we go away to the war college or even when I took some of these jobs that were, were not so heavy on the combat front, I really thought that we would come come back together. And those were real struggles for, for us because it, it, it was a time where I was ready to pivot and, and become closer to, to Jules, to my wife. But her coping mechanism was to stay distant. You know, I think that was how our wives, our Spartan wives deal with the idea that we may not come home from this next deployment. So it literally took years uh, after retirement for these walls that we both built. And I'm not being blameful to my wife, I, but hers were deeper and wider. And I think out of necessity to protect our children and to, to protect what we had back at home. So those were times where, you know, I, I looked up to God and was like, what, what's going on here? Like you, you, you brought us through this fire of combat and war for years to, to arrive here. Like this, this is it. How are you not allowing us to become closer? That's still a work in progress, but it's something that I can see his hand in and bringing us ever, ever closer together. In addition to what you've already shared, what's one thing you would share with warriors listening out there? One thing, well, uh, I, I probably can limit it to two here, maybe. The biggie is don't forget we know how this story ends, right? Like we, we know how this story ends. If you are a believer, the last chapter is already written, and then it's the next incredible journey for us in the new creation. So you know, this is one of those, I, I feel somewhat hypocritical, practice what you preach, you know, because I get bogged down. I get frustrated with the way, you know, the world is going and America is going and the culture is going. But I do take those pauses and know we win in the end. And I think that was critical to our experiences in the military also. I think that was why we came to terms with the idea that, yep, I may not live through this, but that's okay. You know, I, I know, I know how this story ends. And if I'm ushered into that new creation in my thirties or forties versus my eighties or nineties, that's okay. You know, so knowing that, and then in the meantime, just doing your best in, in all things. Lastly too, I guess for your, for older listeners is finish strong. You know, as young men, we seem to work hard and we try to achieve and we we make mistakes along the way but then as older men once we've achieved and we've gotten those things that we set out to to get we've accomplished some of those missions that god has set for us we don't finish well dude like things that you would never imagine like adultery or drugs or lying or cheating and stealing at levels that you and i would never consider as young men People gravitate towards. I mean, look look at that. A lot of men do not finish well, and I think it's because they don't move into that next phase of their life where they're giving back in a different way. And what are some ways for veterans to give back and continue to have that sense of mission and purpose that they enjoyed while in the military? You know, out here where I'm at, I still feel like a Green Beret. I don't wear the Green Beret. You know, I wear a trucker hat. My taskers are similar to what 
you and I try to live up to as Green Berets, which is free the oppressed. That just that has not changed for me one bit. And we're trying to build a team of these courageous, capable, dedicated men and women that we've worked with in the past to just repurpose themselves against a, a new problem. How can our listeners find out more about Guardian Group? Oh, uh, guardiangroup.org is our website. Pursuit at Guardian Group is our offense. If there's some issues that people want us to look into, that they're concerned about loved ones that, that may be at risk. Jeff, thanks for sharing that. Any last words for our listeners? No, Mike, I want to encourage them. Stick with you on this journey. What you're trying to do is honorable, needed. Our warriors do not need to be defined by their difficulties and their brokenness, but they should be defined on their victories and their healing. You guys have a wonderful ministry. I don't think there's much difference between what you're doing and what we're doing with Guardian Group and any of these men and women that are that are following their dream and trying to create as much of the new Jerusalem on this earth as we can while we're on it. Yeah, that's been our been our mission. And really proud of you and Bren for, for putting all this together. Thanks, Jeff. It's been awesome talking with you today. You've been listening to Walking with Warriors and our special guest, Jeff Teagues, retired Army Special Operations and current Chief Operating Officer of The Guardian Group. You can learn more at theguardiangroup.org. Thanks for joining us today. Strength and honor.